Well, friends, if I were to ask you to name some of your favorite Christmas movie classics, what movies would come to your mind? I think many of you would agree that no Christmas is complete without watching great Christmas classics like It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart, or White Christmas with Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye. For some of you, it just wouldn't be Christmas if you didn't watch A Christmas Story or Miracle on 34th Street. But family, back in 1990, another movie skyrocketed to fame, and that movie became an instant Christmas classic when John Hughes produced a little movie called Home Alone. It's a story about this little boy named Kevin who accidentally gets left at home on Christmas. Now, most people, of course, they love the scenes where Kevin is using all of these ingenious methods to uh, protect his home from these two bumbling burglars who are trying to break in. But family, one of my favorite parts of Home Alone is this interesting little subplot of Kevin's interactions with this old man in the neighborhood, this old man named Mr. Marley. As we watch the movie, we learn that Mr. Marley is actually estranged from his son, and he is essentially uh, separated from his son and all of his grandchildren. Well, during the movie, Kevin encourages Mr. Marley to re-engage with his family and to, to try to reconnect this relationship that's been so fractured, of course, because it's Christmas. And many of you who've seen the movie, you know that at the very end of the movie, as the movie is, is coming down to the very end, it concludes with this touching scene as the little boy Kevin looks out his window and, and through the falling snow, he sees that, that old man, Mr. Marley, and he's there embracing his son and there's his little granddaughter and they are all reunited again. Family, in my mind, that reconciliation is one of the most heartwarming parts of Home Alone. Now, believers, we're going to prepare our own hearts this morning for the Lord's Supper. And in, in recognition of that, you and I today want to look at a passage of Scripture that talks about our reconciliation with our Heavenly Father. You know, so many of us will, will watch a movie like Home Alone and we're touched, aren't we? We're touched emotionally with this story of a father and a son who are reconciled on Christmas. But friends, I would remind you this morning that the very reason that Jesus Christ came to this planet was that so sinful people like you and me, that we might be reconciled to our heavenly Father. Christians, the greatest story of reconciliation that's ever been written is not found in some Hollywood movie script. No, it's found right here in the inspired pages of God's Word. Friends, without a doubt, this biblical doctrine that we call reconciliation, it is one of the most heart-stirring doctrines of the New Testament. It is one of those doctrines that truly changes everything. And so as we look at this great doctrine this morning called reconciliation. I want you to join me here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to look today at verses 17 through 21. But just before we begin to dig into this text and, and start to think about this reconciliation that God was working with sinners like us, I want us to begin today, family, with a great definition, a, a working definition of reconciliation. You know, Hollywood and the secular media, they, they get their own ideas of what reconciliation is. 
But I want us to begin today with a biblical understanding. What is biblical reconciliation? How does Scripture portray it and define it for us? Well, I hope you'll jot this down in some of the notes that were provided for you there in your bulletin. Let's look at this definition together. What is reconciliation? Well, reconciliation, biblically speaking, is the work of God by which He graciously restores our estranged relationship by removing our sin and our guilt through the substitutionary work of Christ. Again, the the secular world has all kinds of ideas about redemption and reconciliation and and broken uh, things being made whole again. But here's the reconciliation idea that's put forth by the Scripture, that it's a work of God by which He's graciously restoring this estranged relationship between Himself and sinners, and it's through the work of Jesus Christ. Well, friends, we're going to look at this great text today in 2 Corinthians 5. It's my hope and it's my prayer for all of us this morning as we look at God's Word together that, that you and I would gain a new sense of, of, of awe, a new sense of wonder, a new sense of even appreciation for what God did for broken sinners like us to restore this estranged, broken relationship. Well, family, this morning we want to look together and understand a little more biblically about this this doctrine of reconciliation. So let's talk today, friends, about five remarkable truths that the Bible teaches us about reconciliation. Five remarkable truths about reconciliation. Here's the first one as we study God's Word together. Number one, reconciliation is a transforming work from the inside out. Number one, reconciliation is a transforming work from the inside out. Now, I hope you have your Bible open. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're picking up the text here in verse 17. Scripture says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, Christians, as we start to learn from this passage of Scripture about this doctrine that we call reconciliation... The first thing that I want you to discover here is that this reconciliation is one that actually begins with transformation. There's a transformation that's going on in the heart and the life of every single sinner. It's a transformation that God himself works from the inside of us out. Look at verse 17 there. Paul says, if any person is in Christ, in Christ. You know, that's one of Paul's favorite little uh, phrases. You will read that more than 25 times in Christ in the writings of the Apostle Paul. It's one of his favorite descriptors of the Christian, what it means to be in Christ. And Paul says for every person who is a Christian, every person who is in Christ, they are made a new creation. In other words, there's a real life change that happens in the heart and life of every person who trusts in Jesus. There's a transformation by which new life blossoms from the inside out. Now, friends, you'll remember from your own reading of God's Word, the the Bible opens in Genesis chapter 1, and God is the main character there. And Genesis 1 opens with God doing His original act of creation. And we read there how God makes man from the dust of the ground and and breathes into his nostrils the breath of life, and man becomes this living soul. And we read there in Genesis how human beings were, were physically alive, and they were even spiritually alive. But then in chapter 3 of Genesis, all that changes. 
Mankind falls into sin. And then we read later on, even in the New Testament, how the New Testament describes it in Ephesians 2, how all people who are descended from Adam and Eve, how we are all in our sins, we are dead, spiritually dead in our natural condition. We're, we're so affected by our sin that we're spiritually dead. And as such, because we're spiritually dead, the Bible says we're, we're separated from God. We're estranged from God. But friends, did you see here in our text, the Bible says the moment that a person believes on Christ, that for that person who is in Christ, this relationship is now restored. And Paul tells us that God actually does another work of creation. He does this recreating. That dead spirit that was once dead in sins, the Bible says, is now made alive. It's recreated. It's made new. In John chapter 3, Jesus described this when he was talking to Nicodemus. You remember in John 3, 3? And Jesus said, you must be born again. This idea of being made new, of being regenerated. And friends, what we're learning here this morning is that when God is going to do this reconciliation process, it starts by making you and me new. All right, the problem is not with him. The problem is with us. We are the ones who are broken. We're the ones who are dead in sins. And so we need a little more than just some spiritual duct tape. All right, we need a, a re-creating a re, uh, process to happen with our hearts. You know, friends, when you and I think about getting our cars worked on today, many of you know that there are many options out there for you today when your car breaks down. When you go to the mechanic, many of your mechanics will tell you that it's possible for you to choose a reconditioned auto part. How many of you have ever had a reconditioned auto part put on your car? Yeah, well, maybe some of you didn't know this, but you can save a couple bucks by getting a reconditioned auto part. Maybe you get a reconditioned alternator. Maybe you'll get a reconditioned water pump. Now, basically, what that means is what you are buying in those instances, you are buying an auto part that used to be broken. For whatever reason, it was not functioning correctly, and it gets sent back to the factory, and the factory looks it over, the factory tests it, they repair it, whatever was going on, and now that part is no longer considered new, technically speaking, it's now considered reconditioned and your mechanic can get you a reconditioned part and put it on your vehicle. But again, that isn't a new part, technically speaking. It's just an old part that was fixed up again. Well, Christian friends, I want you and I to rejoice today. You and I should be thankful that when God reconciles us to himself, what he gives us is not our spirit with a little duct tape on it. This is not just a reconditioned spirit. No, the Bible says we are made new, new in Christ. He doesn't just repair our old selves. He gives us the newness. The Bible says we are made new creatures in Christ. Did you see how Paul describes it there in our text? If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. But then notice Paul starts to explain that a little bit. Look how Paul describes it there. He says, the old things are passing away. Isn't that great? The old value systems, the old beliefs, the old loves, the old habits, the old behaviors, all those things that used to be a part of our old self, those things are fading away. Those things are going away. Since God has now made us new, there's this new spirit within us in Christ. Paul says, now all these new things are coming. We've got a new perspective 
We've got a new worldview. We've got new desires. We've got new goals. We've got a new behavior. And every day for the Christian is really new growth into this new spiritual life. In your notes there, I gave you a great scripture from Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Paul says this, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Christian friends, isn't that great? Aren't you encouraged by that? When God reconciles us back to himself, in order to make that possible, the issue is not with him, the issue is with us and our sinfulness. And so he causes us to be made new. And how does he do that? He makes us new, the Bible says, in Christ. Not only does that newness bring us back into a right standing with Him, but the Bible says that newness continues. That newness is going to continue throughout our entire Christian lives as we keep growing and keep pressing on in spiritual maturity. Now, let's move on. Let's see a second thing that the Bible teaches us here in this text about this great doctrine called reconciliation. What makes reconciliation so great? Well, I want to show you this. Number two, reconciliation is only possible through Jesus Christ. Reconciliation is only possible through Jesus Christ. Look at verse 18. We'll look at the first phrase there of verse 18. Paul writes, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Now friends, let's just focus for a moment or two here on this first little part of verse 18. The first thing we need to understand when it comes to reconciliation, Christian friends, the first thing you need to understand is this is all about what God does. This is all about what God does. This this topic of reconciliation has everything to do with God. How often have you heard some people say, even some Christians will talk about their salvation experience, and sometimes they will say, well, I just decided it was time to get my act together. You might hear a Christian say, well, I I just decided it was time to get right with God. Well, for a Christian to say that, they really need a little bit more exposure to God's Word. Because right here in the New Testament, the Bible makes it very clear that reconciliation is really all about what God does. It's God's power, not our own. It's God is the one who is the real mover when it comes to reconciliation. Now look at our text. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 begins with that word, now. Now. Now that's a little signal word. Now, uh uh-oh, what's coming next? Some, Some kind of statement. Some kind of teaching. Something that's important. Something distinctive. Now, most of you, I think, are using the New King James Version. The, the Pew Bible there is the New King James. has this opening phrase rendered like this. All things are of God. But some of you might be using a newer translation, like maybe the ESV or the New American Standard. And your Bible has this phrase. All these things are of God. And that, that little addition there with the word these helps to add some clarification to Paul's meaning. So what Paul is saying here, all these things, all these things that he's been unpacking in this section, all these things that, that work in God's reconciliation is not a direct result of something that we've done, but rather it's everything about what he has done. All these things are from God. 
You see, family, many people will perceive, as they read God's Word, many people will understand that they're sinners. People can understand that they haven't lived a perfect life. People understand that, that they're sinful. People can understand that they're unholy. People can understand that they're not right with God. They're not walking with God. They don't know God. And so what do they do? Well, in many instances, and of course, over the generations, millions and millions of people sense that something's wrong, that they're not right with God, and so millions of people try to make things right with them and God by embracing religion. Religion. Now, generally speaking, friends, religion, religion, broadly defined, is man's attempt to get right with God. That's generally speaking how we could describe religion, especially in the modern era. Religion is man's feeble attempts to get right with God, but man wants to do that according to his own ideas. So for many people today, this idea of getting right with God to them has this idea of you got to get into religion. You got to get, you got to get after church stuff and you, you really got to decide that you're going to turn over a, a new leaf, so to speak. And so many people, many millions of people, of course, will, what will they do? They, they go to church. They will go to mass. They'll give many to, they'll give money to the church. Uh, many of them will go and sit in a confessional booth and they'll try all kinds of things. They'll even get involved in, in whatever the activities might be going on at the church. Maybe there's a, a hoagie sale. They'll get involved with that. Maybe there's a bingo night. They'll get involved with that. Maybe there's a, a street festival or some kind of carnival and they get, they want to get plugged into that. Mankind has all kinds of ideas of how he thinks he needs to get right with God. But family, did you see here in our text, the Bible makes it clear that reconciliation is not something that is accomplished by man. Instead, Scripture says reconciliation is solely accomplished by God. The Bible says all these things are of God. It's God who took the step forward to reconcile sinful man to himself through Jesus Christ. So friends, what we're saying is reconciliation is all about what God does. It begins with God, and it's accomplished by God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So God reconciles sinful man back to Himself, not through, not through religion, not through going to Mass, not through penance, not through saying the rosary, not through getting down on one's knees and saying Hail Mary a given number of times. No, did you notice, what did our scripture say? How is reconciliation possible? Did you see the word through? Through Jesus Christ. So friends, I would submit to you today, reconciliation is not man turning over a new leaf. Reconciliation is God giving new life through Jesus Christ. Reconciliation is not man turning over a new leaf. Reconciliation is God giving new life through Jesus Christ. Friends, look in your notes there. I gave you Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 and following. Here's another great scripture that tells us how God was working this reconciliation. Scripture says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, we rejoice in God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. So friends, listen, as we come to the Lord's Supper here in a few moments, I want each of us to be reminded today how reconciliation was made possible. It was made possible only through the person and work of Jesus Christ. You and I and all of humanity, we were in such a desperate situation because of our sin. We were separated from God. We were destined for eternal punishment. But through His great grace, through His love, He steps forward to work reconciliation through His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Look in your notes there. I gave you Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. Here's a great scripture that reminds us it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him or in Christ and through Christ to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And although you were formerly alienated, you were formerly hostile in your minds, engaged in evil deeds, look at this next phrase, yet He has reconciled you in His fleshly body through death in order to present you before Him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Christians, how are your hearts today? Oh man, your heart ought to be filled with such joy today. This overwhelming appreciation for the love and the grace of God to a broken sinner like you. You are right with God, Christian friend. Not because of the steps you took toward God, but because He did all the steps. He took all the steps in Christ so that you could be reconciled, so that you could be brought back into that precious fellowship with Him. Now, let's see a third truth together here in our text. Here's a third truth if you're taking notes. Reconciliation is available to any person who believes. Number three, reconciliation is available to any person who believes. Now, would you look, look with me at verse 19? Verse 19. Paul says, That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now we're going to come back to some of the other parts here that we're skipping over, but I want to take a moment here to look at this first little section of verse 19. You know, family, when you and I talk today about the United States of America being the land of the free and the land of opportunity, uh, you and I are given so many things to which we can choose to join. So many things we can make a choice to participate in. But friends, did you realize that there are many things, even in the United States of America, where you have so many freedoms, do you realize that there are many things in this country from which you are excluded? You are excluded from a number of different things. Let me give you a few examples, even from my own personal life, things that I'm excluded from. First of all, I cannot join AARP. Can't join it. Not, not there yet. I cannot get a membership in the National Organization of Women. I'm excluded. I'm not a female. They won't let me in. You know where else they won't let me in? They will not let me into the English Polo Playing Club. Why? Number one, I'm not English. I'm not English by nationality or descent, and I don't have a horse. So I can't participate in the English Polo Club. I certainly can't join the Little People's Association of America. Why? Because I'm six foot three. 
All right, I'd be like a giant in that group. And so I, what? They won't let me in. I'm excluded. Friends, there's a lot of things, if you stop to think about it, that you're excluded from too. A lot of things. Even in a free country like ours, there are things that you are kept out of. You are excluded from. Potentially because of your gender, your nationality, your height, your weight. I mean, if you're skinny and you want to join Weight Watchers, I mean, they're going to kick you out, all right? They're not going to let you join. But did you notice something here, friends, in verse 19? The Bible gives us such wonderful news, such joyful news. Yes, in this earthly life, there's a lot of things you're going to be excluded from, restricted from joining, but yet the Bible says God, God gives no exclusions, God gives no limitations when it comes to human beings who can be reconciled. Did you see there in our text, Scripture says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. Now, we have to be careful anytime we study the word world in the New Testament. In this text, Paul is not saying, Paul is not saying that all human beings ever born are automatically going to heaven. No, what Paul is saying here is that God offers his reconciliation to people across the globe. He offers his reconciliation to, to all people groups to all people from every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every nationality on earth without distinction, without discrimination. You know, friends, you'll remember from your own reading of Scripture in the Old Testament era, for so many generations, who was God primarily working with? It was the Jewish people. The Israelites were the primary people group with which God was working. The Jews received the promises of God. The Jews received the Old Testament scriptures, the Ten Commandments. The Jews were the one who were given all these great covenant promises. But then upon the coming of Jesus Christ, the New Testament teaches that with the coming of Jesus, all those former barriers are removed. And now the Bible says anyone, anyone from any people group can be brought into God's family with believing faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says it here. He says it to the Corinthian church. But Paul also says it to the Ephesians. Over in Ephesians chapter 2, look in your notes. This was another people group. Not only the Corinthians, so many of them were non-Jews. They were Gentiles. So Paul teaches this truth to these Gentiles in Corinth. But he taught this same truth to the Christians over in Ephesus. Most of them were not Jewish either. Ephesians 2.12, Paul says, Remember at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise. You were without hope. You were without God in the world. But now, in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Christian friends, can I say something to you real honest this morning? Sometimes as evangelical Christians in America today, many of us get this wrong-headed idea that Christianity is for white, English-speaking Americans who eat at Applebee's and wear Nikes and shop at Old Navy. Many, many American Christians have this idea that that's what Christianity is all about. That it's this upper crust white religion for North America. 
But friends, you and I, when we read the Word of God, we discover the truth. The reconciliation that was worked by God through Jesus Christ has no boundaries. None of these boundaries that you and I think that we would set up in our own brain, the Bible says those boundaries don't exist. There are no boundaries in Christ, no boundaries of nationality, no boundaries of race or color or ethnicity or even gender. Friends, isn't that awesome? Let me tell you what, when you get to heaven, there are going to be a lot more people there than just people with your skin color. You better get used to interacting and fellowshipping and being with people who aren't like you. Because the Bible says one day heaven is going to be filled with all kinds of people from every color, every nationality, every language, every tribe, every nation. And the Bible says we're all going to be there. We're going to be together. We truly are going to be one people. We're going to be one people. We're going to have one Lord. And there's only one thing that unites us all together. The one commonality that will unite us all is that Jesus Christ reconciled us to the Father. That is what truly unites us. That's reconciliation. Now, let me show you a fourth reason why reconciliation is so great. Number four, reconciliation is what turns away God's awful wrath. Reconciliation is what turns away God's awful wrath. Look again at verse 19 with me. We'll also read into verse 21. Paul says, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Skip down to verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Friends, here in verse 19 in the middle, you get another amazing truth about reconciliation and it's that our reconciliation was done in such a way that God's righteous wrath against our sins has been satisfied. God's wrath against our sin is satisfied in Jesus Christ. In other words, the Bible says when it comes to our sin, here we are in sin, broken and wicked and estranged from God, and here's God, this holy, righteous, glorious, blazing, holy God. How are we going to be restored? The Bible says what God didn't do is God didn't just turn a blind eye to our sin. God didn't just excuse our sin as if it was no big deal. God didn't attempt to try to make good with us, even though things weren't good with us. Now, you know how this happens all the time. It happens with all of your families around the holidays every year. Your family's going to get together for Christmas. But in recent months, yikes, there's been a little bad blood, shall we say, bubbling under the surface. Conflict real conflict between certain family members. And now everyone has to put on a smile, of course, because why? It's Christmas. It's Christmas and we're all going to be together in the same room. And what happens? Oh, you get all those family members together and there's been some conflict and some bad blood's been brewing. But now they're in the same room and the tension is so thick you could cut it with a knife. But everyone's there and we're we're just trying to make nice. 
we all just put on a smile during the holidays and and all these family members that six weeks ago are cussing each other out. Now they're smiling and how are you? How is how's things going at your work? And they're all just pretending like nothing's really wrong. And on the surface, everyone's smiling, but you know it underneath, underneath you know they're seething, they're angry, they're still upset. Believers, I want you to know. What joy should be in your heart today to know that when God has worked out our reconciliation, He isn't just making nice city nice with us. God isn't just playing a little game here, just pretending that everything is okay when it really isn't okay. No, Scripture tells us the truth, that when Jesus Christ came, our sin problem was fully and finally handled. God's righteous wrath was to be poured out on our sin. And it was done when Jesus Christ came and he went to the cross in our place. And so friends, I want you to know your reconciliation, it's real. It's real. It's not God just making nice with you. No, no, no. That reconciliation is real. That righteous wrath that you deserve because of your distance and your sin was absorbed by Jesus Christ on the cross. Look at verse 19 again. The Bible says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing our trespasses to us. Friends, that word impute means to count, to credit. In other words, God sent Christ to be the one who would take our sin. And by the sin of us going on to Christ, therefore our sins are no longer counted against us. They're not counted or imputed to us. They are given to Christ. And the Bible says His righteousness is then imputed to us. So there's this great exchange. My sin goes to Christ and His righteousness comes to me. And so God now sees me in the righteousness of Jesus, and he declares me accepted because my sins have been paid for. Friends, look down to verse 21. What happened to your sin? It was laid on Christ. There at the cross, verse 21, Jesus, who knew no sin. Jesus was no sinner, but Jesus died for sins. Whose? Whose? Not his. Yours. Yours and mine. Jesus, who knew no sin, He absorbed our sin into His body. He took our penalty. He died. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. He took your sin and mine. He died the death we deserved. Look in your notes. I gave you 1 Peter 2, verse 24. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree so that we, having died to sins, might live to righteousness. Christian, listen to me. Your family members there who are fighting and arguing and playing nice city nice during Christmas. Oh, there's Aunt Dottie and Uncle Sherman. Oh, they've been fighting like cats and dogs. Oh, but they put on the niceties when it's Christmas time. But you know the truth. They're such frauds. What a sham. What a bunch of fakers they are. Let me tell you the truth. Your reconciliation is no sham. It's no fraud. It's not God playing nice city nice. No, we are declared righteous in Christ. 
Our sins have been paid for in full. Friend, when you understand how wonderful your reconciliation is, you will never be the same again. Friend, what about you this morning? Can you say that you are in a right relationship with God today? As you think about who you are at the beginning of this new year, how is your relationship with the Lord? Is it one that's estranged? Is your relationship one that's distant? Are you still separated from God? Are you far from Him because of your sin? Friend, I want you to know the Bible's truth. Reconciliation is possible through Jesus Christ. God's righteous wrath against you is only turned away as you put your faith in Christ. And the Bible says that salvation is open to anyone who would believe on Jesus Christ. Friend, here's the question for you this morning. Will you take advantage of this incredible grace that God has worked? Will you open your heart? Will you reach out with the hand of faith and receive this precious gift that God would give you? Friend, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have questions about that, well, friend, I hope that this will be the time that you would want to speak to someone, speak to me or one of our other leaders, and we'd love to show you what it means to have full reconciliation with your Heavenly Father, to believe on Jesus Christ as Lord, and to know that your sins and your guilt and your shame is gone. It's gone now, and it will be gone forever. Well, friends, let's just talk one more aspect of reconciliation here. Number five, if you're taking some notes, reconciliation is the ministry calling of every Christian. Here's number five as we think about reconciliation. It's the ministry calling of every Christian. Look with me, if you would, family, back at verse 18. We're going to pick up some of these phrases now that we skipped over as we were reading and studying. Verse 18, Now all these things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Look down into verse 19. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Christians, we talked at the very beginning of our message today, some of our favorite Christmas classics. There's no doubt which one mine is. My favorite Christmas movie of all time is It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart. Many of you who've seen that famous black and white film, you know the basic story, how an angel is sent down from heaven with a message to tell this miserable man, George Bailey, that his life is truly worth living. The angel is sent with that message. And George Bailey has to go through quite an experience, but he finally gets the message that his life is worth living. Family, did you see here in our text, the Apostle Paul says three different times that every believer is to be sharing a message. Every Christian, without exception, is to be sharing a message. It is this message of reconciliation. You see it there in verse 18, verse 19, and verse 20. Christians, what a privilege you and I have been given. Not only to be reconciled with our Father, but then to be commissioned by Him to go and take that message of reconciliation. The Bible says all of us 
Every Christian, without exception, we are called to be presenting this message, this news, this gospel, this word of reconciliation. You will leave these doors today and you walk out into a world that is far from God. And I don't have to convince you of that. A world that's far from God, so estranged from Him and from His truth. But we are sent out into this world with this message, the message of reconciliation through Jesus Christ alone. I love that famous text that's in the Gospels when Jesus heals the man in Mark chapter 5. Jesus tells that guy, he wants to join up with Jesus. He says, hey man, you healed me, Jesus. Now I want to be a part of your group. I want to be in your disciples. I want to go and follow you. And here's what Jesus says, no. Go home. Go home to your friends and tell them. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had compassion on you. Christian friend, I submit today to you, that's your calling. That's your calling. Every Christian here this morning, within sound of my voice, this is your calling. You are to be a messenger. You are an ambassador. You are an ambassador for the king of all kings. You are sent with a message to an estranged world. Be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And the Bible says we go with God's full blessing. God commissions us to go as if he himself were doing it. He is doing it through the likes of you and me. Believers, do you see what a privilege that you've been given? Not only to be reconciled, but then to be an ambassador of that message. That you are representative of the king. You carry the king's message. The king's ring is on your hand. You are dressed in the righteous robes of the king's own son. And you are out there declaring that all people, without exception, can be reconciled to the Father by believing in Jesus Christ the Son. Christian friend, I would challenge you on this first Sunday of a brand new year. How are you doing as an ambassador for Jesus Christ? How are you doing? Friend, it's not really hard to figure that out. Just ask yourself a question. How long has it been since I talked to anyone about Jesus? How long has it been since I talked to someone who's not a Christian about Jesus? Friend, I would just ask you today, how are you doing in your duties as an ambassador? Do you deserve to get the boot because you haven't been doing your duties? How well are you doing in carrying the message? Have you been silent? Have you been too scared? Has too much cowardice been covering your heart? And you've been muting your message because you are so worried about what other people might think of you. Oh, friend, listen, we of all people, people who have been reconciled to the Father, people like us who know what it means to be rightly related to the Lord again through Jesus. Oh, friends, we've got to let this truth of reconciliation sink into our souls such to the point that it begins to affect us, that we want to say something, that we must begin to speak about this message that so changed us. I love what the apostle said there in Acts 4.20, for we cannot help but speak the things that we have seen and heard. The apostle said, we have to, we have to talk about this. We have to spread this message. Let me, let me tell you, 
what God has done in my life. He and I are now at peace. I've been reconciled with my Father. And I don't just read those words, I live those words. Peace on earth and goodwill toward man. I've been reconciled with my Father. Well, believers, as we close now and turn our hearts to the Lord's Supper, I hope you can see, Christian friend, why this doctrine of reconciliation is so special. Why it is so incredible. Why it is so awe-inspiring to our hearts that this sovereign, holy God of the universe, that He would take all the steps necessary to bring someone like you, someone like me, back into fellowship with Him again. You know, family, the end of Home Alone there, that movie, when Mr. Marley reconciles with his son, that's so heartwarming. Many people who watch that for the first time begin to, begin to cry. It's such a touching scene. The way it is filmed, the snow is falling, and the little granddaughter is there, and the, the granddad picks up his granddaughter, he's hugging her, and he's, he waves, the reconciliation is made. Christians, we're so touched by that. It's fiction. It's fictional. But you and I have the real thing. The real thing. We have been reconciled with our Heavenly Father. And that is not some script. It's the real thing. And one day, you and I are going to come face to face with Jesus Christ. And Jesus, our Savior, is going to open His arms to us. And He's going to say, Welcome home. Welcome home, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Father's house. Thanks for listening. This Preaching for a Change broadcast has been brought to you by the Grace Baptist Church of Hazleton, Pennsylvania. For more information, visit us online at mygracebaptist.church. If you enjoyed this broadcast, then share it with a friend on your favorite social media network. And be sure to join us next time for more enlightening and encouraging biblical exposition here on Preaching for a Change.